0: magazine on KGNU. It's Friday, February 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Jack Armstrong. Coming up on today's show, for the first Friday of the month, we have the Nature Almanac. After that, we tune into Sports Talk with KGNU's Jimmy Searfoss and .org, our weekly look at local, local nonprofits. At At 8.30, host Joel Edelstein comes your way with connections. As always, the phone lines will be open and your calls welcome. At 9:30, Dave McIntyre is in the Boulder station, bringing you the Morning Sound Alternative, two and a half hours of eclectic music until noon. And that's all still ahead this morning. But first, the headlines with news Stacy Johnson.
1: The Boulder City Council approved Thursday evening to appoint special counsel to investigate a second complaint concerning grievances surrounding new candidates for the police oversight panel. The Daily Camera Reports panel member Zaid Atkinson issued the second complaint last Thursday on the same day the City Council approved new members to the panel following two previous vote delays. Atkinson, who Boulder Police confronted while he was picking up trash in 2019 and whose incident propelled the formation of the panel, told the Daily Camera ahead of last night's meeting that he wants to see more stability and cooperation come from his complaint and that he hopes to see a continuous partnership between law enforcement and the community. Council members appointed municipal lawyer Claiborne Douglas, who is already investigating another complaint by Boulder resident John Neslidge, who is alleging that the process is flawed with bias, prejudice, and conflict of interest. Atkinson's complaint alleges the city council violated city code by twice delaying the vote on recommended panelists and by asking the committee to share confidential deliberations behind each candidate's selection. City Council members also approved last night changes to the ordinance covering the police oversight panel by permitting both the panel and the independent police monitor to speak about general cases they review without revealing the confidentiality of those involved. The transparency update to the ordinance also allows the independent monitor to report monthly to the panel any final disciplinary decisions by the police chief and any recommendations by the police monitor. The Federal Bureau of Investigation in Denver issued a warning Thursday that as cryptocurrencies become more prevalent, so are crypto scams. The Denver office says they are seeing an emerging trend where fraudsters are tricking mature adults with fake crypto investment scams, especially with Tether and USD coin. The agency says a common scenario involves fraudsters luring victims by approaching them using online platforms such as social media, and dating apps and directing the victims to a link or phone number to set up an investment account under a fictitious support site. Once the victims transfer the funds online, their money disappears. According to the Denver FBI, Coloradans lost almost $25 million to investment scams in 2021, with Coloradans 60 and older tricked by fraudsters more than any other age group. Reproductive rights advocates are seeking an additional $2 million for family planning programs before the Colorado Joint Budget Committee. Juanita Hortado has more.
2: As Colorado's Budget Committee prepares for next year, reproductive rights advocates say the funding will support approximately 80 clinics that provide low-cost services like sex education, disease screening, and birth control. These services will reduce unwanted pregnancies all over the state and prioritize uninsured and low-income people. Abortion bans and restrictions in neighboring states and, at a federal level, have prevented public funds from investing in accessibility to all reproductive health services. A spike on out-of-state patients has strained Colorado's abortion care clinics. According to the Colorado Newsline, An additional 2 million will allow the program to serve 5,000 more people. It currently serves about 53,000 people. For KGNU, I'm Juanita Hurtado.
1: The Boulder County Sheriff's Office says it's using roughly $80,000 of the county's first-year opioid settlement money to purchase technology and equipment that will help law enforcement investigate opioid trafficking. Commander Nick Goldberger of the Boulder County Sheriff's Office told the Longmont Leader Wednesday the agency plans on speeding up investigations by using the tools Celebrite Premium, GreyKey, TrueNARC, Magnum Axiom, and Nighthawk. Goldberger says Celebrite and Gray Key will help law enforcement unlock or decrypt electronic devices that officers obtain by search warrant in order to catch drug traffickers and dealers who are selling high quantities of pills. Goldberger stressed that the purpose of investigations is not to go after a user or an individual with an opioid use disorder, but to catch dealers and traffickers. According to Goldberger, the other technologies will help officers detect unknown substances, such as drugs or explosives, and analyze and recover deleted data. Resource Central, a Boulder-based nonprofit, announced Wednesday it will provide its popular garden-in-a-box perennial plants free to people who had a home destroyed or damaged during the Marshall Fire. According to the nonprofit's press release, a recent grant from the Community Foundation of Boulder County made the free giveaway of yard plants possible for victims of the Marshall Fire. Resource Central says its water-wise gardening kits contain approximately 25 to 50 starter plants that can cover up to 250. Square feet of landscaping or roughly the size of a typical front yard. The nonprofit also says the kits include do it yourself plant by number designs to make it easier for people to grow a vibrant and water saving yard. The nonprofit plans on making the plants available this spring and fall. A recent report by the Colorado Secretary of State and the University of Colorado Boulder says Colorado's business filings drastically increased in the last quarter of 2022. The quarterly Business and Economics Indicators report says the state received nearly 49,000 new entity filings for the fourth quarter, making it the largest quarter in the report's history. Although there was a surge of new business filings, business delinquencies and dissolutions did increase last year by 17%, with the last quarter seeing a 145 increase compared to the previous quarter. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says there will be increasing clouds with a high of 55 degrees for Denver, 54 for Boulder, and 47 degrees for Fort Collins. Winds will be less than 11 miles per hour. Tonight's skies will be mostly cloudy with a low of 27 for Denver, 32 degrees for Boulder, and 24 degrees for Fort Collins. For KGNU, I'm Stacey Johnson.
3: February. What's happening in the natural world? Here are Boulder naturalists Scott Severs and Ruth Carol Cushman.
4: Wow, it's cold, isn't it?
3: <laughs> it's chilly.
4: It is a frigid, frigid morning, but absolutely blue sky. We're on the University of Colorado campus at Varsity Pond, which is always a good place to come birding. It's got water and trees that have some dried fruit on them. And what we're doing this morning is trying to find bohemian waxwing. Oh, uh, was that a robin that just robin. flew over?
5: Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on as these groups of robins. Because robins and waxwings share the same food sources. Things like service berries, any kinds of berries. The waxwings, they're characterized by crests. They have a little black mask. All the fruit they're eating helps them produce these bright red wax colors on the tips of their flight wings the other really fun thing is this bright yellow tail tip that looks like somebody dipped their tail in bright oh it's the color of the street center line it's that bright yellow
4: The bohemian are slightly larger than the cedar waxwings, which are the ones we see fairly often. They're not nearly as common. In fact, the last time there's been a big incursion, like we're getting right now, was in 2008. And it's just been amazing this past month. Someone counted 700 and some?
5: Yeah. Bohemian waxwings mostly spend their lifetime in the Yukon and up into Alaska. But every once in a while, their food source in those places crashes and they have to wander widely in search of food. Almost all small birds, you have to consume your body weight in food during the day in order to have enough calories to survive the cold nights
4: oh wow oh uh, god it's just pointing the bush tit flock
5: they're up in this spruce tree
4: they're a tiny little bird but they're real cute little gray fluff balls we used to never see them around boulder so they're one of the birds that have been um increasing in numbers in boulder in the last uh, 10 years or so
5: what i love about them is they all move at once there they go well, should we wander down the creek to see if we can find the Bohemians?
4: There's a little trail that goes down below the football field sure. that has a lot of little fruit trees on it.
5: Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. So we've come down below the football stadium along Boulder Creek to look for flocks of Bohemian waxwings that have been reported in this stretch of the creek.
4: Sometimes, to try to find waxwings, look for a flock of robins.
5: In the winter, the birds are a lot more flock-oriented. They want to be in a group setting, so they have multiple eyes to watch for their winter predators, which are usually Cooper's hawks, sharp-shinned hawks, and Merlins. Robins, especially, are the good sentinels. And they warn all the other members of the flock, and it's usually a mixed flock, that there's something dangerous nearby. As we walk along here, it'll be pretty quiet for a while, and then you'll hit a winter flock. Oh, Carol, come this way. Look right up there.
4: Well, from where we are, they, uh, they're all silvery blobs.
5: We're looking up into the canopy of some tall trees.
4: If you put the binoculars on it, you see this uh, bird.
5: Okay, it's a flock of cedar waxwings, which is our resident group, but cedars and bohemians hang out together, so it's always good to keep an eye and look through them to see if there might be a bohemian.
4: Neither cedar nor bohemian really have a song. They have this little funny noise they make.
5: So far their voices are cedar waxwings, which are a little higher pitched. Cedar waxwings have this and bohemians are sort of. Broom, broom, broom. Here they go.
4: Oh my goodness, there must be 20.
5: 21 birds, 21 cedar
4: waxwings. And I think still up there are the robins. Even though we didn't see the Bohemian waxwings, we saw a wonderful flock of cedar waxwings.
5: I'll take any waxwing any day.
4: Ruth Carol Cushman
3: and Scott Sievers are friends and Boulder naturalists.
0: You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Jack Armstrong. Up next, it's Sports Talk.
6: People always ask me, Jimmy, if you couldn't talk sports, what would you do? I'd use sign language. Hello and welcome back to the very best sports show here on KGNU. Sports Talk with Jimmy. I am your host, Jimmy Searfoss, and I'm here to talk to you about some of the best sporting news and stories from across the front range. Recently, it was National Girls and Women's in Sports Day. It's a day where we celebrate women across athletics in every single kind of way. Athletes, coaches, media, they're all represented in this celebration. So I felt it was necessary to recognize a strong and great woman in sports today on this episode of Sports Talk. And that is Colorado's 2022 Sports Women's High School Coach of the Year, Shannon Lane here of Colorado. You see, Shannon Lane coaches basketball down at Pueblo South High School men's basketball in fact she's the first woman to ever do that in the state of colorado no other woman has coached men's basketball in high school in the state of colorado and she's pretty dang good at it too she's always known for being super energetic on the side of the court pacing up and down directing and trying to beat out the other coach and 2022 was just her second year coaching as the men's head coach at the 4a pueblo south level and she had led the team to an undefeated season And on top of that, the team went to the state championship game. And that's not even a new thing. See, beforehand, she was coaching the women's team. And they went to the state championship game. In fact, in the last five years, she's gone to the state championship four times. And that's including the men's, who had gone to the state finals the year beforehand, too. She started playing basketball long before she had been coaching. She was a standout in high school and at the college level. Her coaching career actually began on the women's side of things in 2008, and she began her time as the Pueblo South head coach for the men's team back in 2020. And she has so far amassed a winning percentage of 83.4% and hasn't had a losing season or a season where the team has missed the playoffs. And of course, in proper coach fashion, when it was announced that she was winning this Colorado Sportswoman High School Coach of the Year Award, she instantly thanked those around her. The players, the coaching staff. And the award is pretty serious. Some notable people have won this thing in the past, like WNBA Coach of the Year Becky Hammond, MVP of the National Women's Soccer League Sophia Smith, and Colorado State Volleyball Coach Tom Hilbert, who recently retired with over 800 career victories. Now, Lane doesn't plan on slowing down when it comes to coaching anytime soon. She's just getting started. Her love for the game of basketball and the kids she's coaching is driving her in her coaching career. Oh, and don't forget, because she is in high school, that also means she teaches a class. And she also helps people with their class. She can really do it all. Well, that is just about all the time I got for you today here on KGNU. Happy belated Women and Girls in Sports Day, and happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you tune in next week for another segment of Sports Talk with Jimmy. I've been your host, Jimmy Sirfoss, here on KGNU.
5: Time now for .org. Spotlighting the work of local nonprofits and co-ops.
1: This is Stacy Johnson with KGNU.org. Joining me today is Elise Carber, Executive Director of Hope Lives. Elise, can you explain to listeners what Hope Lives is about? Sure,
3: I'd be happy to. Thank you for the opportunity. What we do is our whole mission is just to try to make our Northern Colorado neighbors in breast cancer treatment just to try to improve their quality of life when they're going through treatment and to try to mitigate some of the terrible side effects from treatment. And so we work with various providers in the Northern Colorado region. We serve both Larimer and Weld counties. And we offer a various portfolio of different services for our clients, everything from acupuncture, it's probably our most popular service because it can potentially help a lot of different things like neuropathy and and sleep and pain and anxiety, and to massage and lymphedema massage and counseling and nutrition and wigs and house cleaning and mastectomy supplies and just a whole slew of things. And so we give our clients vouchers when they come on to our program and then we don't dictate how they use them we just say here's a list of other the vetted out providers and you choose what you think might make you feel better when you're going through this journey and so really where our money goes to with our program is to pay the providers who take the the coupons so that the clients don't have to pay for anything and and we really hope it just tries to you know make this process a, a little bit easier for them and their families
1: in a typical year, how many breast cancer patients does Hope Lives help out?
3: Yeah. um, Well, it's funny because I came on right when the pandemic happened. So I don't know what typical or normal means, <laughs> but I will say we were just looking at our numbers from last year and I believe we were about 125-ish women that we helped last year. I say women, uh, we certainly would welcome men and and men do get breast cancer as well but currently all of our clients are
1: women if listeners want to contribute their time or money to hope lives how should they reach out well there's many different
3: ways you, you can go to our website which is hopelives.org there is a donate button you can always reach out to me as as you mentioned I'm the executive director and so you can reach at me at Elise, that's e l i s e at hopelives.org one of the things as nonprofits we say that we welcome your time, talent, or treasure. We're a very small nonprofit. And so we can always use the help in many different regards and whether it be a donation or, or maybe possibly being a provider, or you just want to get more information about us because you have a friend or family that might be going through this. I'm always happy to talk to anybody further.
1: Are there any events coming up that Hope Lives is hosting? Yeah, we're going to
3: do an online Valentine's auction. We did that a couple of years ago. We're going to run it from Monday, January 30th to Monday, February 6th. And it's just a fun uh, way to be able to support us when it's typically a slow time of year for us. The website will be Hearts for Hope, and it's uh, the number four. So it's heartsforhope.givesmart.com will be the link to that. But you can also call me or reach out. There is also a spot on our website to get more information.
1: Before we end, is there anything you would like to touch upon that hasn't already been covered?
3: I just would like to say that if any of this is compelling to any of your listeners, sometimes one of the common things I get is that folks feel like, well, whatever they have to offer isn't enough. For example, someone wants to donate 25 bucks or volunteer for one event. All of that matters, especially to small nonprofits. It all matters. You know, we're in the process of helping others, and I know probably a lot of your listeners are as well. and there's there's a there's a spot for for everyone I believe that's truly interested in our mission you know our numbers have more than doubled in the last year and a half and the speculation is because people missed mammograms and screenings of course additional fallout from the pandemic and so it just all matters you know to meet that much more need and and then just this whole community that makes makes our organization run so I, I appreciate the additional exposure and and, and letting me talk about our wonderful organization.
1: Well, Elise Carver, thank you for your time today and sharing information about Hope Lives to listeners. So, signing off, this is Stacey Johnson with KGNU.org.
3: You've been listening to kgnews.org. For more information on this organization or to listen to other episodes, please go to
0: news.kgnu.org. Remote Hinsdale County is not a ski destination like Aspen or Telluride. Lake City, the county's only incorporated town, touts its ski hill as what skiing was like before the rise of mega ski resorts. Through Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Laura Palomino reports from opening day.
7: Well, our slogan is skiing the way it used to be. That's Henry Woods. He coaches the local ski team and volunteers at the Lake City Ski Hill. Ski Hill is home to the oldest operating ski lift in Colorado. I skied on it when I was a little kid in Arapahoe Basin, and then it was moved here in 1966. Woods describes the single Poma lift. Well, it's a surface lift, meaning it pulls you on the ground, you're not up in the air, and it's a not a detachable lift, the, the carriers are affixed on the cable. It pulls you up and you got to get off on your own. Skiers place a disc seat attached to a pole between their legs and then they're pulled up the ski hill. Oh, the lift,
3: <laughs> the disc lift, well it's better than a rope toe, so.
7: <laughs> That's Rebecca Kaminsky, a local mother of five. She's at the ski hill with her kids on this sunny Saturday in mid-January.
3: It is something that you will not experience probably anywhere else. It's getting to go up on a disc lift. It's like riding an antique.
7: The Lake City Ski Hill has 14 skiable acres. It's tiny compared to other ski destinations in Colorado, like Vail or Keystone, that offer several thousand. Kaminsky likes this fact.
3: Well, we don't have as many runs as they do, but It's got that small town feel so it's very convenient to come here and to bring your family here. It's a great place for beginners to learn.
7: She also enjoys the variety it offers.
3: There are some challenging runs. For my kids that want a little bit more of a challenge, they can actually go to a different part and ski those trails as opposed to there's some super
7: easy trails. Littleton resident Jeb Braco is at the Ski Hill on opening day with his wife and daughter.
5: We're trying our little one out in some skis. Trying to get her a little bit better at this. So she's two and a half, so I'm trying to get her in some uh, turns, work on everything.
7: This is his first time visiting Lake City.
5: We love it. It's uh, so kind of low-key. and It's terrific for, for her first time and just us getting back into it after years of COVID.
7: This is her first time skiing?
5: Second time, yeah. We tried Uray once too.
7: The town of Lake City owns and operates the ski hill. Braco and his wife are taking their toddler to different municipally owned ski hills in Colorado.
0: We're trying to hit all the cheaper ones. <laughs> while well, she's not very good.
7: Aside from Lake City and Ray, there are also city-run ski hills in Durango, Gunnison, Silverton, and Steamboat Springs. A single-day adult lift pass at these ski hills ranges from $16 to $43. It can cost hundreds of dollars to ski at a large resort. Lake City community school children get a free season pass for this ski hill through the school district. 10-year-old Wyatt Lopper is using his today. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous because it's my first time skiing and I don't know what's ahead. Coach Wood says another charming aspect of the ski hill is the... junky old warming house. The tiny building looks like a shed. Inside is where you get your gear for skiing or snowboarding. Lake City native Danny File is manning the counter here today. He works for the town's recreation department.
6: One day we would love to purchase a new warming hut and one that has more space, one that has better heating, and one that has better insulation. We're saving up to do it, but might be some time. We love this little warming hut. It has a lot of character, has a lot of history, but we do need to replace it.
7: Back outside, Coach Woods offers some pointers to a youth ski team member. Put your skis together in between the turns. For over 40 years, Woods has volunteered as the local ski coach. Skiing has helped me so much and be in shape. I like the idea of imparting that to other kids. He hopes the ski hill remains a treasured part of the community for generations to come. Reporting from Lake City, I'm Laura Palmisano.
0: That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Jack Armstrong. Thank you to Stacey Johnson, Shelly Schwender, Juanita Hurtado, Jimmy Sirfoss, and Alexis Kenyon for their help with today's program.